0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: It takes a pandemic... Okay, you fill in the rest. For instance, it takes a pandemic... ...for me to finally clean up my desk. Uh, it takes a pandemic to start reading that pile of New Yorkers. Uh, it takes a pandemic for me to finally learn to bake. Well, for audiences of live performance, it takes a pandemic to cherish our actors and musicians... With our great jazz venues and theaters closed, live performance has stopped. But actors and musicians continue to create. They have to. It's who they are. For this Hunker Down podcast, I talk with these artists who perform for a living about how social distancing is affecting their work now and when this is all over, about their dedication to the art of live performance. Nicholas Martin-Smith is the producing artistic director of Hudson Warehouse, a long-standing tradition in Upper West Side Theater. He is also the program manager of Upper West Side Radio. And during the pandemic, he's hunkered down in upstate New York with his partner, Susan Lee. She's a playwright, TV producer, and executive director of Hudson Warehouse. We began our conversation talking about the hunkered down concept.
0: This is really cool, Alan.
1: Yeah. I've been doing hunkered down over the phone and it's terrible. It's just awful.
0: Really? How but many how many I interviews? Did,
1: I did two, but I'm I'm looking at them as kind of experiments. So I'm not really happy with them. Right. One because the sound is so bad and the format I'm not. I'm still thinking about it. So this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. My my original concept was to kind of just call around the country and ask people how you're doing, but it turns out that that's not really that interesting. Yeah. because how you're doing is that's
0: one episode.
1: That's one episode. And it's maybe only 15 minutes. Exactly. So I'm yeah. I mean that's kind of what I've I've kind of discovered. But you know it's an experiment. So I'm thinking hunker down and talk to artists. Talk to musicians, talk idea. to actors, talk to singers, because they're not performing now, and no, give them not. the opportunity to put out their stuff. I mean, they could actually, if they want to perform here, like now. I'll be talking with three jazz musicians on Thursday, and we're going to Who do it through they? Skype. Uh, Steve uh, Feifke and uh, okay, because I saw
0: that I saw those emails. Yeah,
1: right. David Pietro and uh, yeah. Jeff Burke, and they're jazz musicians. Oh. And I've interviewed them. We did them on Bar Crow Radio a few weeks ago. You can you can hear it. It's posted now. And um, yeah. they're really talented. And I'm sure they're not working now. Um, Steve Feifke had a regular gig out at the gin mill. But, you know, the bars are closed Oh, now. really? Yeah. So they had said, well, yeah. look, can, yeah, they we, are. can we play something? And I yeah. uh, said, yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, actors, they're not performing now. You musicians, singers... That, you know, talk to them and like, you know, uh, Carol Crittenden, talk to her what, I mean, a little bit about what are you doing and, you know, let's play something that you did and talk about your work. That's a great. And like put out, uh, and I think that would be a lot more interesting, and then maybe do a half hour or 45 minutes and talk to two different people and then edit it together.
0: That's what I think is interesting.
1: How are you, Susan, doing?
0: Okay, good, good. We're doing great. I don't. Um... You know, I
1: never know if you and Susan are married.
0: Well, no, actually, we're partners. You're partners, um,
1: right? Like Becky and I are partners, yeah. but we are also happen to be
0: married. Yeah, just happen to be married. Yeah, but we're partners. And you are, uh, you so... are
1: definitely partners. What's that? I said you and Susan are are definitely partners.
0: You are uh, honestly, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, we work together, and we live together, and we socialize together, and it's. It's really interesting. It's kind of like
1: Becky and I. We, we do that too. Exactly. And now That's we're, exactly right. And now we're hunkered down together. And so, <laughs> so many people are not. I mean, in uh, at the no, Windermere where we both live, uh, when, you, when you're here in yeah. town, yeah, I mean, people are living by themselves in their apartments.
0: Isn't that awful?
1: Yeah. And Isn't it's that, like, that
0: we can awful? Like I mean, say that was one of doing? the reasons we got out of there because I couldn't imagine... I couldn't imagine hungering down in our little teeny apartment yeah. of a warehouse, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 just, your your uh, your uh, your Hudson warehouse warehouse.
0: Yeah, it's exactly it's our apartment, and it's tight. So being able to get out of the city and where we are, there's zero, <laughs> zero cases. That's how far out oh, we good. are. Okay, all right, uh,
1: and you're able to get food and. uh
0: yeah, you know, what you yeah, need. yeah, yeah. We actually did an expedition and bought lifetime supply of everything, so okay. we're set for the next month, I think.
1: Okay, we 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 got a yeah. whole supply from uh, Becky's uh, school. Uh, the uh, the headmistress sent us a huge <laughs> a care package from Zabar's. I've got more. Lo- I've got more locks that can like it could last me for the next six months. <laughs> I don't know how to keep it fresh. It's like. Becky started giving it away and I said, No, it's mine. We'll, we'll freeze it and I'll just, you know, I'll take it bit by bit.
0: How is it yeah, how is freezing locks I mean, I, what's the consistency?
1: I looked it up. So they do said, we even
0: know? Have we ever tried this?
1: Well, I'm gonna do an experiment because this woman bought me like a caseload of locks. And so uh, I'm calling it yeah, a load must of be locks. Magical. Yeah, so it's like I'm gonna have Call locks you, for breakfast right. and lunch and you know, I'm gonna be smelling like a fish.
0: Yes. But you'll only have Becky to Well thank <laughs> God. She doesn't she doesn't eat it, so I don't have to share it with her. No, you don't. But right. if you share it with her, then you both smell like
1: fish. Uh yeah, I, I well maybe that'd be better. I have to so she doesn't she's not gonna eat it, but I think I'll smear it on her at night. So she That's a great
0: idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Put a little on her right. towel.
1: On a towel. <laughs> like... And the we'll walls smell yeah, so like locks right after like,
0: the shower. Who, ca- who cares? Applies to the locks? <laughs> Jeepers.
1: Yeah. I can't believe this is an interview. <laughs> no, no, no. This is cool. This is this is this is cool. I mean, so goals. you so you don't have to worry about since you're out. You're out in the exactly. boonies, about. So do exactly. you go out? Do yeah. you, Are you inviting people? We go in? out and about. Are you having? Do you, do you invite people
0: into the house? Oh, oh no. Yeah. oh no yeah. we we shy away from people but we do get out of the house so you do get out, you do the oh, walk no, Like
1: Becky and I went out to the park uh, today and took a walk and it was very interesting watching people talking it's like it's several times we saw people in this kind of triangular triad about yeah. eight, 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 8 feet apart but they were triangulated so that they could face That's each cool. other and have a conversation <laughs> about 9 feet apart
0: really
1: cool. yeah So people are adapting. I mean, we're not being mean, but we're not walking close to each other.
0: No, Uh, and a lot of birth. um, I think that's really cool. How everyone is really adhering to this. Yeah. This idea that there is a way that it, we can outlive it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so many people dying yep you know
1: and there's and there's going to be more unless we really hunker down,
0: yeah, it's hard to imagine i mean it's hard to wrap my head around it all it's um it's a pandemic, and it's nothing any of us have ever experienced, and it, it it's inconceivable to some people that we are where we are, um because for example, here there's no cases, uh, but I know perfectly well there are how many now 7,000 or something in, in New York. That just,
1: and I can't, just I, and, it. And, it, and they say it's going to grow.
0: So well, that's my brother said, my brother's a doctor who lives in Bangkok. Uh, and he, you know, so we go back and forth with WhatsApp, which is wonderful. Uh, but all along, you know, he, he's been, you know, sort of give us his blow by blow what what's happening and from a doctor's point of view. And he says, yeah, each time it, each time it spreads, it spreads exponentially. And there's always this chance that it's going to mutate. So it's just it's spreading out um, in uh, just in every single possible direction yeah. in the world. Antarctica thats the only place it hasn't touched. How long will that be?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, when it's, will Antarctica get their first case?
1: <laughs> it is uh, freaking, freaking scary, Nick.
0: It is it really is because we could be hunkered down for months,
1: yeah, not Month. and and um i I worry, I mean Becky and I are working, I mean because colleges can continue, um my son Harry, he's down in the University of Maryland. We thought they were going to kick him out because there was a scare that they were kicking out the people who were hunkered down at University of Maryland because some some care. people a lot of the students left, but Harry stayed. Yeah. Um, because they said you it's okay for you to stay but then they kicked him out and then it turned out there was emergency housing so he's okay until the end of the semester Good. and then then we don't know what um where he's going to go then
0: Exactly I don't know have any idea where um my stepdaughter's uh she's remotely She's at Swatmore, but she's yeah. remotely studying for the rest of the semester. Right. But I heard at one point, like my niece is at Harvard, and she finally, after an 18-hour trip, I couldn't believe it, made it to Las Vegas because they lived in Henderson. And it turns out that they cleared the tower because somebody—they discovered somebody was inf- infected, so they cleared the control tower. So I don't—I don't have all the details yet because this is all on WhatsApp, but. It just—it's the craziest, craziest stuff that just happens. Yeah. And I think they're not—they're talking about canceling graduations. Oh, I think you know? they have to cancel Harvard. Harvard's canceling yeah. the graduation. Oh, I think oh, there's no. there's everything in the foreseeable truth tr- future right. is none going to exist. I mean, there's
1: uh, uh, one one thing that's not that, going to uh, exist this summer. Is Hudson Warehouse uh, Productions. And that must, uh, you know, sadden you enormously.
0: I, I'm an optimist, and I also, uh, so I have all these different contingency plans. If for some reason suddenly every, you know, suddenly in July if we're allowed to go outside, um, I have this amended schedule for the for the rest of the summer. Because I mean, the moment people are allowed to get out of their houses, out of their apartments. I think the first place they'll go to is Riverside Park, Central Park. Yeah. It's interesting that there are mobs and mobs of people there now. Well, we we were
1: there and there was a lot of people out. I mean, we tried to stay separate and maybe that was not the right thing to do. But like the governor said, it's uh, risk and rewards. And uh, you've got to, at this point, you've got to measure your risks um, against, you know, being outside and getting some fresh air. And I felt we were taking a risk. I mean... When yeah. someone sat down on the bench next to us, we left. I mean, that's exactly. the choice we made. Um, yeah.
0: I want to talk about something else. Okay. did uh, you know, Susan is Korean. And there's this this thing that Trump is doing by calling it the China flu. Yeah. Uh, he is only encouraging racism and... Racism and xenophobia. So Asian people are being attacked and, uh, it's really scary. Um, so I'm very conscious of when we walk down the street, any street that we're conscious of who is around us and to feel for intention. And, uh, a friend of ours, um, the other night, uh, an Asian man, I guess he was Chinese, was getting beaten on the train and was beaten unconscious. And a friend of ours uh, jumped in to defend the guy.
1: Yeah.
0: And he uh, was beaten and broke his nose. And it's awful. And it's really, that's such a dark side of this. And it's a dark side of our country when our president in a speech will cross out coronavirus and write in china chinese virus he actually does that so he's only consciously encouraging it and it's tragic because you know i read some article and the fact is there's blood on his hands there's blood on all the enablers everyone who you know, you read articles. People are just um, people are afraid to contradict him. They're afraid to contradict him, so nobody is coming forth and urging. Wasn't at least not until now urging action. He's a he's a reality show cast member.
1: He's, uh, well, well, well said, Nicholas. Well, well put. I. Uh... I couldn't. He's a he's um, he's a threat to this country. Exactly. He's not. He he's not a. He's not a president. That brings us together. and no. creates hope in a hopeless situation, no. or a hope. And he creates, you know, a sense of reality. Gives us <laughs> the re, gives us the real talk, like FDR did at the fire fireside chats. But no. says we're gonna we're gonna make it through, or like 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 Churchill. You know, here's here it is. It's tough, guys. I mean, don't isn't is that yeah. what we want to hear? You know, this what is was it tough. Churchill, but Churchill said, "Yeah."
0: Churchill said, "Don't make promises you can't keep." Yeah, and I think it was always tell them the worst news or something like that. Yeah. And Churchill was uh, he was one of a kind. He was a, uh, you know, his life was just uh, ups and downs. Um, and uh his being a prime minister was being at the right place at the right time. Yeah.
1: Well and then uh, you know and, and FDR, I mean, they were kind of matches for that for that um moment in our history during the Depression and yeah. then during World War Two yeah. to kind of keep us bucked up and keep us, you know though we were hunkered down in war, we were um we were lifted up in spirit and uh this, this guy is not doing that. He is the great leader, is not doing that at all. And he's and in fact we, doing just the opposite.
0: We, he's actually we,
1: making it worse. I mean we need an Obama in there. Thank we you. We need someone in there that is has some that has the humor, that has human connection, yeah, that can talk to us through the media, right. uh, but yet can connect to us and create hope but hope that is linked to reality. I mean, we need that so much and we so don't have it. I almost yeah. wish Obama would like turn on his mic right now and say, look, stop <laughs> living, stop listening to the great leader. I'm going to talk to you and let's, let's talk. I'm going to have my fireside chats. We need someone to do that to kind of take over the volume that is being put out by this shithole of a president. I agree.
0: Biden is going to begin to do that. He's gonna start getting what are called, I think, shadow press conferences.
1: Shadow. Oh, sh- yeah. yeah. It kind of sounds yeah. like shadow press conferences. Like fireside chats. It's kinda of, yeah. that shadow though has a kind exactly. of a so like a shadow president, like someone who is yeah. who is gonna sound like a president that we should have. Yeah. I think that, that would be that would be a great idea. I,
0: that's, I think, going to start Monday. Okay. okay. And it's going to be a completely, completely different message.
1: Oh, I yearn for it. We all do. We all yearn for yeah. it. That's why I'm listening to Cuomo. Cuomo is, has such a wonderful way of communicating. I mean, you may not agree with everything he's done. He's certainly not oh, supported no, CUNY. But he's but, a rock star. <laughs> but he's a rock star when it comes to just communicating and talking. That's... And he sounds real. Exactly. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's going to get far worse, far worse before it gets better. And uh, then on top of that, the economy is.
1: Oh well, we don't know. We, we don't know what's going to happen with that. We have no idea. Yeah, we do. I wish I wish you two, you know, the best because I know you. In Thanks. part, you make your your living through the theater you do. Yeah. Um, and um, it's you know you got to believe it's gonna it's going to come back. It's going to come back. Well,
0: that's that's why I'm I'm trying to be in, well. No, I'm trying to be I'm being an optimist here. I yeah. think we'll get at least one show in this summer, yeah. even if people have to sit nine feet away from each other.
1: That's what I you know I, I was thinking that. I mean, it's like if you if you limit to like thirty people that sit up on the steps, people exactly. can kind of on the steps of the Soldiers Sailors Monument, people can kind of separate, and you could you know you could do something. I mean. By midsummer, oh my
0: God, we're going to need something. Exactly, right. and and I gotta, you know, I have to. I guess I have to run it past, you know, all well, the what's park. His name? Dan, yeah. Dan Geradnik, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to run it past people, but if yeah, if we just do a performance and people. No, perfectly well. They have to set up triangles and sit (laughs) downstream of other people or or downwind of them, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, buckets of sanitizer, I don't know, something. Isn't it awful awful that we have to even consider this? These actors don't need to be next to one another to act. They can be, you know, six feet away. I realize the chair I'm sitting.
1: It's kinda of squeaky.
0: It's, making, it's all right. It's it's it's, it's,
1: it's environment. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's environmental it's sounds. That's true. Nicholas is uh the program manager of Upper West Side Radio. And so this <laughs> this, <true>. this <laughs> little conversation was supposed to be a meeting about about that, and then we got into talking and now it's it's morphed into hunkered down uh, part Hunker of the hunkered down. down uh episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we could we could bring the hunker down episode to an end and like start talking about for west side radio. That's okay with me. Yeah, I mean this was this yeah, was okay. a, this was a good conversation. Yeah, you know, west
0: side radio is really uh, something I'm uh, very excited about.
1: This is the hunker down podcast, and we'll be posting this podcast twice a week on Tuesday and Friday until this corona pandemic closes down. I'm Alan Winson, and I was just talking with Nicholas Martin-Smith, the producing artistic director of the Hudson Warehouse. It's a theater company performing in Riverside Park in the summer on the Upper West Side and, you know, in normal conditions. As I was developing this hunkered-down podcast concept, with its focus on how the pandemic has affected artists who perform live, I had talked with presidential scholar Brian Arbor. Brian and I had spoken several times previously on my other podcast, Bar Crow Radio. My conversation with Brian did not fit the concept that I eventually developed for this podcast. But his insights about the U.S. under the tragedy of Corona and Trump were most insightful. And at the end of our conversation, we Met his cute and energetic first grade son, Josh. And so I include our conversation here. Enjoy. Let's start off with uh, how are you, uh, Brian Arbor, and your family dealing with the lockdown?
2: Sure. I think we're dealing okay. I mean, so we are. Uh, my wife is a, a librarian at the College of New Jersey. Um, so we're both able to to work from home. And uh, sh- we've been able to transition what we do to working here uh, out of the house. I'm teaching classes uh, at John Jay via Zoom. Uh, she's uh, doing lots of meetings via conference call that you know she'd do in person and lots of things um, here. And so that that part's, I think, working out as best as it can. Uh, the biggest issue for us is that we have to spend a lot of our time being substitute first grade teachers. Right. With Josh, um, you're, you're a six year old. Yes. Um, so and we're
1: we're going he to hear from Josh a little later mm-hmm. in our conversation. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, talk about that. Uh, what is it like uh, keeping a six year old happy?
2: So, um, you know, it, it, it's it requires requires, he is, you know, being at that age, we really have to sit with him or near him to get him to do his, his school Uh So that takes away from our ability to do, you know, either our work or, or stuff we want to do. And we have to do a lot of focus on just, you know, getting, we have to do a lot of focus to getting him to focus. And I don't think that's different than any of the other first grade parents that we are, uh, that we're talking to.
1: No, um, not, not at all, so, except usually yeah. you have a, a teacher at a school that's doing that work and not you.
2: Yes. And it's, you know, and it's also different to teach someone in your, you know, to teach a kid in your home where he is, you know, I'm sitting at our dining room table that we've turned into a, a workspace and that is, you know, 10 yards from a television and five yards from his iPad. And, you know, so those are all distractions to him that are immediately right there, which are certainly... In the case when he's at school. It's one of the advantages, you know, of going somewhere. So do you um, and Aaron so, tag so we, team? Yeah, we tag team and we try to, you know, you know, we try to talk about our schedule usually at the end of, uh, you know, we usually talk about that at the end of one day about sort of what we need uh, the next day. And we try to clear each other's, you know, I've got uh, with classes and with office hours, I have some real sort of set times that I have to have, um, you know, sort of clear away so that I can be available to my students and do my job with them. Um, she's got, you know, less, you know, definitely is this time, but she's got a lot of, you know, of conference calls and meetings and things she's got to do. So again, we try to work together on that. We have a sort of a set schedule. We, we, we worked on a set schedule for him, sort of things that he does to try to have s- some type of routine. He is uh, asked to have recess, which at school they have after lunch. So we uh, take him outside on the days that are good uh, after lunch, and he gets to play around in the backyard and and play there. Well, that's uh, a fortune you have a backyard. Yes, we do, and, uh, you know, have a – have a swing set back there, so he goes and plays on that. And uh, as you're gonna feel of, uh, when we talk to him. He wants to, uh, my son really loves music, so he loves to uh, hang out in the backyard and pretend he's conducting or um, directing a Broadway musical.
1: So right, because you because so. you said he wants to be uh, he wants to be a Broadway actor. So
2: does he? You know, his his biggest disappointment is that he did not get to go to auditions for uh, Moana local JCC, which puts on a a show uh, twice a year. So he is uh, hoping we get back so he can, uh, he can get into that. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's young and life is long. And uh, I'm
1: sure there'll be auditions in his future. Um, He doesn't know that, right? I know. You know, he's seven and, you know, everything's short. Yeah. Everything is now. Mm -hmm. um, You don't have him play with other, other children, I assume. Uh,
2: No. Yeah. So we're not setting up platess we did uh, arrange uh, for he and his classmates to have their own zoom call and it was just a large series of loud noises that was both uh, you know incomprehensible if you were on the call and delightful if you were just you know a few feet away and could enjoy that.
1: Wow that's great and I guess he had a good time so so the I mean yes. I think the main question here is is it easier teaching college students
2: or first grade students? I mean, here's the thing. I'm not trained to teach a first grader. Um, you know, I took five I took five semesters of statistics in graduate school so that I could, you know, analyze data and, you know, teach it to others. And that really doesn't help me get him to sit down and 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 deal with a number line. Um, so, you know, it's very it's one of the things I noticed just in interacting with not just his teachers, but all the people around his school is how well-versed they sort of are in what curriculum should be, what a first-grader should know, and that's vastly different than I find than what we teach at the college level, uh, where it's so much more about the substance and, you know, a lot, a lot less about the sort of how part of it. I, I certainly have more respect for his teacher uh, after the last six days. She's, uh, I have a good understanding of what she uh, what she uh, does, and, of course. You know, one of the things I feel sorry for, for her and the other teachers is part of why you get into teaching, you know, you know, early education is because you really love interacting with the kids. You you never, you know, hey, I want to get into first grade education. So I'm going to do, you know, online distance learning. You know, they don't get this interaction with the kids. They don't get the best. But what I assume for them is the best part of their job. And, uh, you know, I hope they find other ways to compensate. But, you know, it's one of the sacrifices they're making.
1: Um we we're, we're now all over the country i guess over the world uh at the college level teaching online um had you taught
2: online before I have not this is my first experience with it
1: and what what is what is your initial take on online teaching just in the first couple of times that you've been doing it
2: sure so in 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 sort of one class i have one class on the actually on the current presidential primary um, and that's been much easier to transition. Um, the biggest sort of difference is I have to be very, I'm much less spontaneous in teaching because they have to be sort of much more planned out in what I want to say. I have to stick much more. I have to have my slides sort of set it set ahead of time. And I'm doing it as a, a synchronous, which is the, the fancy word in education for live. And it's, to me, reminds me of when i first started teaching, when I first started developing my own courses, and how I'd be sort of very strict to, you know, developing a lecture and developing, you know, the visual materials I wanted to give my students and very much sort of sticking to that. And as I've gotten more experience with teaching and sort of better sense of knowing what I want to do, it's easier to sort of just, you know, do sort of less prep on the front end or less sort of clear planning of sort of these sort of specific, you know, sub what subpart A is gonna be and what subpart D is going to be. Um and so going back to that, it's just been it, that's just what I've noticed is that it's you know, you know, gotta just be much more sort of um much more structured in in how I teach.
1: So um you you uh
2: are have a, a wife and a child. What what do you guys do for fun? For me Usually my evenings at this point as we start moving in is I'm a huge baseball fan. So this uh, week will be opening day. So I would start, you know, about to be committed to somewhere close to 162 uh, uh-huh. nights of watching baseball. My I'm not a Houston Astros fan. My wife's a Red Sox fan. We're both big baseball fans. So um, well, we could have a whole discussion to- about the Houston mm-hmm. Astros,
1: but uh, I, yes, I, it, I, I don't it. think we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> go there. I feel very, very bad for you as a baseball fan. My son is okay. a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. And he's,
2: he's in mourning. Ah, yes. No, it's, it's, uh, it is, uh, yeah, no, it, it is, it is one of the things that sort of organized my life around. On the other hand, I, pl- you know, one of my hobbies is to play, and this is how baseball nerdy I am, is to play and play in a couple of different various computer baseball, uh, leagues, including ones that are based on sort of stats of old players and, uh, th- that's been even more taking up even more of my time with more sort of interest in that. Yeah. Um, so, I, that's I, one thing you can.
1: I found everyone saying
2: it's like you have you'll
1: have a lot more time now that you're hunkered down <laughs> and you're stuck, but I find I'm really busy. It's like my day is taken up uh, with uh, with schoolwork, but you know, podcasting and. I don't know. I just like I want to sit down with a book and I haven't had a chance to to do that yet. Have you all come across any good TV shows or movies that you would recommend?
2: No. Or you're not
1: you're not TV I mean, people.
2: Uh, I'm not a, yeah, and I'm not a TV I'm not a TV guy even as sort of we moved to Prestige TV um, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to adapt to that environment. Um, and you know since I don't have you know, since I don't have sports, which is usually what I'll, what I'll watch in the evening, um, so I'm mostly reading. Really, this week, it's been class prep, and uh, that's taken up a lot of my time even into the evening, which is, again, since I spend a good portion of the day uh, working with Joshua, um, time in the evening to do class prep is sort of important. I think that I'll get a little bit more time here, in the next week or so to, um, to relax in the evenings, So I will have to, uh, I will have to figure out a book or I, uh, when I usually watch TV, I often like sort of documentaries. So, uh, I'm looking for a good, maybe World War II documentary to take a look at, something like that.
1: Right, right, right. You are a, uh, um, Brian Arbor, a, uh, presidential scholar, um, historian. I know mm-hmm. you've, uh, specialize in Uh, election strategy that sort of thing i'm going to ask it bluntly uh is the government is uh president trump doing an effective job in this time of corona
2: no Uh, that's the short answer um this is so first of all this is a massive challenge to any president and I spent some time, you know, I spent some time intellectually over these last three and a half years trying to sort of parse out what I think the differences are between Trump being president and a more average or generic Republican, say we're in a Rubio administration. Um, And so certainly you can always find some sort of similarities. But, you know, the some of the issues with this president are. Because he does so little reading or preparation, because he is so distrustful of experts, and because he is, and look, all politicians are self centered and egotistical. You know, Donald Trump goes well beyond that. Um, it's, you know, he's, it's really sort of, I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch him because never trust what he's saying it's often sort of unclear yet he still dominates the conversation um, despite maybe he shouldn't because we'd all be better off if the people who actually knew what they were talking about were the ones who were telling us what to do
1: it seems pretty clear that your initial answer no hmm. is the is the best answer and then you can start like parsing it down to all the all the stuff that's not that's not working on the presidential side. I mean, one one question is whether or not we're going to have an election. I guess mm-hmm. there's no way of knowing that at this point. Well,
2: we, we should have an election. We've always had an election, and elections are not actually the purview of the executive branch. They're the purview of the legislative branch and the states. Again, we had an election in 1864 when – uh, the Civil War was raging and which one candidate's platform was essentially we should end this thing, even though the union was on the cusp of winning. Um, you know, we had an election in 1944 um, in the middle of World War II. Churchill thought that Roosevelt was nuts for having an election in the middle of the war. Uh, Britain had suspended the, you know, they had suspended elections until the end of the war. They had a unity government with both uh, conservative and labor uh, leaders. There was a general consensus in Britain that it's, you know, the war is on. Elections are going, you know, elections should take a back seat. and When this thing's over, we'll have the actual election. Yeah, the election will happen this fall. Yeah. How it will happen under circumstances? Obviously, the, so the first question with that is obviously what's this? What's the state of the public health system over the next really several months? And we are optimistic that sooner rather than later. Let's all keep our fingers crossed that you can end your podcast, Alan. As much as I'm happy to talk to you and happy to come on, but we won't have to be hunkered down. Obviously, that may not be the case. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. We'll
1: see what happens. Yeah, when I when I uh, uh, approached the uh, server that I use to uh, put out this podcast, I said, "Can I get it month by month?" Because I'm hoping it's over soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're, we're going to do it now. The other thing that I asked you to think about mm-hmm. was, um, you know, if you were to wave your your magic presidential, you know, strategy mm-hmm. wand. And choose the president that we need right now. I mean, of anyone in history, or in fiction, what a positive leadership models can you point to at this moment that would
2: that we wish we had? Obviously, not Trump. Who would it be? I mean, for this particular moment, you'd probably want a really sort of exceptional bureaucrat. So, like, I think the the most exceptional bureaucrat in American history is uh, General George Marshall, who uh, was you know, one of the, one of the leaders of our effort in World War II, uh, but he was not a, he was not Eisenhower. He was not, you know, Patton. He was not uh, MacArthur on the field. He was someone who was organizing the war effort from Washington. And really the United States won World War II because we had more resources and we organized them better in the domestic front, rather than we had military genius in the, um, in the, Front. So that's the type of person or the type of leadership that would really be sort of appropriate at this moment. The, the other thing, and this is a more sort of recent example, is when the Ebola crisis was hitting in 2014, Barack Obama. Obama appointed his sort of Ebola czar, the person to marshal this, a uh, man named Ron Klein. Ron Klein had previously served, I believe, as uh, chief of staff to Joe Biden and had been in lots of different positions in Democratic um, administrations, both the Obama administration and the Clinton administration before it. And, he was partic- and he, this was immediately criticized as no, you got to have a doctor, you got to have someone in public health. But what was good about this is you pick someone who understood bureaucracy. You pick someone whose job it was to understand the various parts of the government who had tons of experience doing that and someone who, you know, whose job was to sort of figure out how to work through all the complexities of American bureaucracy that, you know, have value on a day-to-day basis but are more problematic when there is a crisis to deal with. So I guess you know that would not be neither of these people, I think, would be good, you know, presidential candidates um, and, and Klein is uh, now doing briefings on behalf of the Biden campaign um, on on coronavirus. Um, but they are people whose skills are related to, again, what we need now, which is getting the bureaucracy to you know avoid all these sort of images of red tape we have in the bureaucracy to be able to get around the various sort of, um, you know, walls and barriers and regulations that are usually an essential part of bureaucracy to marshal a response. And again, say, what's the problem with Donald Trump? Donald Trump doesn't think government works that way. He think, uh, he thinks government is all about what goes on on TV. Yeah. Um,
1: I knew if I asked you I would get an interesting answer um, that uh, would not be one that I usually hear because the one that I yearn for is someone who's like you know like an f d r or even like a President Bartlett from West Wing who kind of like is is there and says you know, talks to me in a very personal and fatherly or motherly way um, you You chose someone who was very efficient is is there something about a presidential role? that does involve this um you know calming the um you know the population beast down so that we feel like we're going to make it which i don't think trump does at all
2: yeah no i think that would be that would certainly be helpful and here's the thing for trump is that that would be in his political interest to be able to be seen as someone who speaks for the entire country someone who is trustworthy someone who understands what people are going through and someone who can ask them to make sacrifices, which we all have to do in the situation. And, you know, for a wide variety of reasons, he's problematic at doing that. you know, starting with, he's never seemed to have made a sacrifice in his life Um, and sort of has trouble sort of understanding that. So that would be, That would be wonderful. That would be great. And, you know, you would expect in a, you know, I mentioned earlier sort of if we were in sort of a, you know, a generic Republican presidency right now, that's what you'd expect from the president with some level of, you know, the bureaucrats actually sort of doing their job and the president sort of at the moment, uh, as you say, a sort of spiritual leader Mm -hmm. of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, We get little of that right now. Yeah, I would I would pretty. say it's not
1: little. We get we get negative amount of that. It's uh we're we're in a hole as far as spiritual leadership from from this uh leader. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well yes. uh I, I think yeah. I think we should we should end up with a little bit of Josh. Um mm-hmm. I had asked you to uh and you and Aaron uh interviewed mm-hmm. Josh mm-hmm. and uh I put together your interview. It was really, really cute. So here Thanks. it is. Uh uh your son, Josh Arbor.
3: I I am Joshua Armore, and I am six, I am seven years old. I live in Glen Ridge, New Jersey, and I attend Linden Avenue School. I'm in the first grade. First of all, today I learned that dragons don't exist.
2: What part of school at your school do you miss the most?
3: Dismissal. That's because we get to say, Wee! Yay! Ah-ha! Woo! What was the Best part of being of doing school at home, science and social studies. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I love it. What's the hardest part about doing school at home? Mathematics. Why is math harder at home than it is at school? Uh, it uh, uh, seems different. Have much that that. My playground is my backyard? Like, it has way more grass. We don't even have grass on my playground at school.
2: What are some other differences about school at home from school at school?
3: I have no idea. It's... Drum roll, please. No, no, a real drum. <laughs> It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.
2: Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
3: It's super supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, which means good. I like to bake cupcakes and cookies and gooey, gooey cake, which is this soft cake that has gooey that is put in bars. I want to go on really long runs runs around the neighborhood. By runs, I mean walks. Or run. <laughs> it's a world of laughter. It's a world of laughter. It's a it's so much different it's we are It's a small well. <laughs> Goodbye. And have a nice night in bed. And don't catch the coronavirus. It's a... It's a small, small
1: one. And there you go. Josh Arbor. There's uh, may, maybe his, his first uh, on air
2: uh, uh, performance. In, in this time of sort of unhappiness and frustration, Josh was the happiest person I know, and we could all use a little more of that.
1: Thank you very much, Brian <laughs> Arbor. Uh, professor at John Jay College, Presidential Scholar, and uh, it's been great talking to you again. I've had you; we've had you on Barcrow Radio a few times, and now you're on my new podcast, Hunker Down. Thank you. You, you, and Aaron and Josh, stay well, and uh, hope to see you around campus uh, next semester. Yes, indeed.
2: Same to you, and
1: stay well and healthy to uh, to everyone. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Hunker Down podcast. Conversations with actors and musicians about their lives on stage during a pandemic. If you have any questions or suggestions, please contact us at UpperWestSideRadio at gmail.com. That's one word, UpperWestSideRadio at gmail.com.